Are you feeling lucky this St. Patrick's Day? Easy Living Furniture has a pot of gold waiting for you with absolutely everything reduced across sofa, dining, bedroom, mattress and accessories. Get the three-seater dark grey Harper sofa for only 459 Donut 240cm dining table for only 289 and much more. Don't miss out on these lucky savings at Easy Living Furniture. Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie Hungry for change in your life? Feed your ambition with Board Bia Talent Academy's Insights and Innovation Programme. Get some incredible food for thought with a fully funded master's from DCU Business School. Learn from world-class innovators with placements in Irish food, drink and horticulture companies. And do it all while bringing home the bacon with a generous monthly bursary. Sound like your cup of tea? Nourish your career prospects by visiting boardbia.ie forward slash talent academy. Applications closing soon. Nadine, Sarah, Anne, Sabina, Nessa. Five more women's lives ended violently. The vicious murder of Nadine Lott has horrified women. The life imprisonment of the perpetrator has prompted a debate about the safety of women in society, coming after the abduction, rape and murder of Sarah Everard brought violence against women to the forefront. The Metropolitan Police has outlined how it intends to protect women and girls better in the wake of Sarah Everard's murder. It comes after Wayne Cousins was handed a full life sentence for killing Sarah while he was still working as a Met officer. It's an issue that's profoundly resonated as women feel there is a cultural, attitudinal and a policy gap in protecting women. 28-year-old primary school teacher Sabina Nessa was attacked as she A woman matching Justine's description was seen being forced into a black Nissan cash. The jury rejected Renato Galen's defence that his wife, Anne Colomina, had stabbed herself. FBI confirmed on Tuesday that a body found in a Wyoming national park is indeed Gabby Petito. I'm Fiona Sheehan and you're listening to In Focus, the current affairs podcast from independent.ie. Today I'm joined by Nicola Anderson of the Irish Independent and Sarah Benson, Chief Executive of Women's Aid, to discuss this issue. And we question if the attitude of men is part of the problem, as evidenced by these comments from the Police Commissioner of North Yorkshire. A police officer can't just arrest you. There has to be a reason. So COVID, for example, I would classify as a summary offence. It's not an indictable, i.e. sent to prison or potentially go to a Crown Court. Um, So women, first first of all, just need to be streetwise about when they can be arrested and when they can't be arrested. But how how on earth do I know that? How did she... She didn't know that because a police officer is telling me this. A man who's flashing a police ID at me saying you're in breach of COVID rules because she's walking home. How, How would I know the ins and outs of how you operate? Nicola, here in this country, the, the case of the murder of Nadine Lott, what was it that struck you about uh, that, that particular horror that unfolded there? Yeah, so Nadine Lott um, um, killed by her partner, Daniel Murta, in, um, in her apartment, again, in her own home in Arklow. And uh, we just saw actually this week that he was sentenced to life for that murder in December 2019. Um, I mean, we heard that, you know, emergency responders told the trial that they'd never seen brutality like it. You know, she was beaten until she was completely unrecognisable. Her mother actually brought in a photograph of her to into hospital and the medics asked, who's this? You know, and these were the medics who were treating her, you know, and the mother said, oh, that's my that's this is my daughter. 
So it just goes to show, you know, the the the, the horrendous, you know, injuries that were inflicted on Nadine by her former partner. Fiona, I think it's it's it just it frightened everyone really. I think because you know we know that there's a, an epidemic of of domestic abuse in this country, and this was kind of the you know the, the worst case that that was possible, you know, for people to imagine. You know that this beautiful, vibrant young woman was was killed in this manner by her partner, who had been who had he he told us that he that he had boxed for years, you know, and uh, when he was asked um, in one interview why he had done it, and he said there was no reason. I just snapped. I never hit a girl in my life. The, the case of Sarah Everard, it, it happened in, in Clapham, a, a suburb of London. Yet it has resonated so far uh, beyond there, beyond London, beyond England, beyond the UK. What is it about this, the story of Sarah Everard that is, is causing such a reaction, particularly amongst women? Well, I think, Fiona, because it's it's the ultimate horror story for women. You know, the, the the man that comes out of the dark and pulls you into the bushes. It's it's something that we are, as women, I think, always conscious of, I hate to say, you know, especially this time of the year where, you know, the nights are growing darker. I mean, there are places where I would run in the summer that I just would not go now because, you know, it's dark and you don't know what would happen. I mean, that said, I mean, it's it's a very rare thing. I think that's the one thing we kind of have to keep remembering. But it happened, you know, and I think that's the kind of the, the, the frightening thing. You know, the logical part of our brain says, you know, this is very unlikely to happen. But then it did happen to some woman. So therefore, it's a possibility that we have at the back of our minds has, has become a reality for, for some poor woman, unfortunately. And so therefore, you know, the, the logical, the illogical has become the logical. So in, in this case, we had a, a, a woman going about her, her business, going from a friend's house to her home on a route that she is perfectly familiar with. She is stopped by a police officer who, who presents his warrant card. Now, he's not on, he's not on duty, uh, who, who purports to arrest her for breaching COVID restrictions. He abducts her. Uh, he then rapes her, murders her, burns her body, tries to to cover up uh, his crime. Is it is it the vulnerability of women that is is coming across here um, that you 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 can just be preyed upon by somebody in this manner? Well, yes, that is a huge part of it, you know. But also, you know, I think that the main problem here is that you know the person that was supposed to keep her safe was indeed the one who was, was you know, the, the danger here. You know, he was the policeman. He was, you know, you go to a policeman if you're, you know, if you're lost as a child or if you're, you know, in danger as a woman. And, and, and you know, that's supposed to be the bottom line. He's supposed, that's, you know, the, 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 the danger has come to an end because you have met this person. But actually, you know, this is the real horror here in, in that, that he then was the one. He was the dangerous one. And that's, you know, goes beyond our wildest you know, imaginations as a woman, I think. And then we had the case of of Sabina Nessa. Now, parallels of a sort are, are being drawn there. Why, why do you think that is? Well, again, it was, you know, a, a random kind of attack in the dark. That was horrendous. We don't even know how this poor woman died. You know, we've been told that it was, you know, that there was extreme violence involved. And I think it's just the, I don't know, the fact that the, 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 the two happened, you know, so in such close proximity. But, you know, I mean, we could say, oh, well, that was England. You know, London's a huge city. It's a very dangerous place. But, I mean, for heaven's sake, we have, you know, Justine Valdez, who, you know, was snatched here on the, on the, 
you know, the, the not so mean streets of Enniskerry in, in 2018. You know, she was a, a lovely Filipino woman taken by Mark Hennessy and, and, you know, murdered less than an hour later. That went beyond our wildest imaginations, you know, that it could happen in a quiet country village. It does seem there are, there are a confluence of events coming into the public mindset at the moment. Just talk to me about the case of Anne Cullamine and, and why why that has, has struck a chord uh, so strongly with women as well. Well, I mean, again, the, 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 you know, she Anne was supposed to be safe at home. She was safe at home with her with her partner, even though they were estranged. And um, I, I mean, it was again. I think the timing, you know, that we heard all about these women in in you know in the space of a week. Now, however, though, you could say it was a bad week for women, but every week is a bad week for women. I mean, we have a, we have a report from Women's Aid to show that in 2018 alone. There were 16,994 disclosures of abuse against women and also 898 disclosures where a man told a woman that he would either kill her, the children or a family member. And there was another 3,816 cases of, of physical abuse where a man choked, smothered, beat or threatened his partner with a weapon. You know, so it's it's just a very sad state of affairs for women and it's a very frustrating state of affairs because, you know, how do we fix this? I don't think women can actually fix this. I think this is a thing that only men can force other men to change things. One other case, I suppose, that has very much come to the public mindset and, and probably because there are modern elements to it, and that's that's the sad death of, of Gabby Petito in, in the United States. And again, here was a young woman, vibrant, full of life, um, documenting her 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 life uh, on on social media and then disappears and her body is found we don't know how exactly she she died yet her her fiance has has gone missing is is that a case that people in in Ireland can relate to or do you think it's just this a series of events that are just showing women are just vulnerable regardless of who they are or where they are that's the thing i think about the gabby petito case i mean you could say oh well that happened in america but it actually happened on social media you know so which is very i mean this is in our bedrooms this is in our in our mobile phones in our pockets you know this is something that people relate to you know she was the blogger living the the golden life you know, engaged to her childhood sweetheart and they were off on this camper life trip to a national park. I mean, it all sounds very, you know, very aspirational and, and something that you might look at and kind of check into her progress every day. So, I mean, this is a very, you know, in a way it's detached from us, but in another way where we've been, you know, I mean, presumably her, she has followers here and they would have been following her every move. And that's why I think that, that there's that element of it, that these, these were a golden couple and it has ended like this. Sarah Benson, Chief Executive of Women's Aid. Sarah, the, the case of Sarah Everard in London has prompted a massive debate about uh, women's safety. This sense that women need to be constantly in a state of fear and continually on guard because they too can end up being a, a victim in a situation like this. Is that taking the debate from the wrong perspective in that in that you're you're focusing on the victim uh, rather than saying it's it's the perpetrators who who are the problem here. Yeah, that it's a very good question. Um, but I think the thing that has probably been most surprising for me for for ourselves and women's aid is just how surprised uh, some 
reaction has been to reports from women of all ages, of all generations, to the disclosure of, you know, the the idea that women are reared to be fearful, to 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 fear what's in the dark, what's in the shadows, the the potential for harm and risk. Walking the streets, holding keys out, never getting in the front of a taxi at night on your own, all of those different things, which to myself, to my to my peers, that's just been part and parcel of how we've operated. This is not uh, some bogeyman kind of a, a concept that, that we're responding to. It's this idea that it's not the dark, it's what's in the dark. And what's in the dark is a potential perpetrator. In Sarah Everard's case, it was not just somebody who, um, you know, uh, was, uh, you know, somebody who not only clearly had a, a sense of entitlement to, to take from a woman up to and including her her life, but also abused one of the most fundamental positions of power and trust in society. And yet again, then, in the initial aftermath to that murder, the focus was, uh, in some cases, from some quarters around, you know, how women can be safe on the streets, which is a a complete uh, misdirection of where our focus should be. It is those who actually make the streets unsafe or make a, a domestic home unsafe, make a relationship unsafe. That's where the focus should be. It should be on the perpetrator. Too many of us have walked home from school or work alone, only to hear footsteps uncomfortably close behind us. Too many of us have pretended to be on the phone to a friend to scare someone off. Too many of us have clutched our keys in our fists in case we need to defend ourselves. And that is not okay. In the UK, we're now seeing that the, the Home Secretary, Priti Patel, uh, is is promising a policy response um, because of, of the, the, the reaction to this case. What do you think can be done from a policy or legislative perspective in, in this country uh, to, to address this issue? Well, it's it's a big question because we're talking about different forms of violence against women that manifest in different spaces. And I've outlined a, a few of those. One of the things that that we in Women's Aid and indeed, you know, a number of our colleagues working in this area have called for is a whole of government strategy uh, because to combat and to prevent and to protect from these forms of violence, you know, the the responses are not, you know, um, they're they're not singular. You know, if we talk about prevention, we're talking about prevention that's grounded in supporting positive relationships and sexuality education from the very youngest age, which is rooted in recognising equality, difference, respect, mutuality and sanctions as well. We we have, you know, now case law established where an intimate relationship should be considered an aggravating factor rather than a mitigating factor. You know, um, victim blaming, um, a very sexualized uh, culture for young women in terms of pornography and um and that also is is very damaging to young boys and young men and their um, their sexuality, their health, their well beings. Naked, do you see this as a moment of of catharsis, where 
a line is drawn. We have seen, for example, uh, the UK Home Secretary, Priti Patel, coming out and saying, you know, en- enough is enough. Uh, this situation has has to change. Women cannot constantly be, be living uh, in fear. Or do you think we're going to be here in 12 months' time discussing another set of cases where women who were either with people who they were familiar with or in environments that they were familiar with uh, are are murdered. Well, I hate to sound bleak, but yes, I think we are going to be here in 12 months time with the same situation because then in these very violent cases, you know, the situation escalates and and everyone wonders then how we got there. But actually, it's, it's quite easy how we got there. You know, we got there in baby steps. And I think the problem is that every woman out there has a story to tell. When you say... Every woman has a story to tell. What What do you mean by that? At the risk of sounding, you know, me too, you know, that I've got stories. I mean, I'm not saying that that, that anything terribly has happened to me. It, it hasn't, you know, but just, you know, on a personal level. So um, when I moved up to Dublin, I was 22 years old. And one day I met a nice old man on the bus. You know, he was 70 plus and, um, you know, had a nice chat, thought nothing of it. And um, so a couple of days later, he phones me out of the blue on my mobile phone. And I was, you know, completely startled. And um, um, I had stupidly told him where I worked, you know, in the course of our conversation. And um, so I kind of brushed him off and, you know, thought that was the end of it. He rang me again. I was kind of becoming, you know, kind of increasingly agitated at this point. And then he, on the third time, I told him in no uncertain terms that he wasn't to ring me again, you know, and he was very indignant. He just seemed to, he kind of said, oh, I told you I was lonely. And I, you know, what am I supposed to do with that? I'm 22 years of age. So um, that that was just, I mean, that was that wasn't a sinister story. That was just a, a creepy story. So the summer before that, um, this was kind of this was kind of escalating in creepiness, I suppose. Um, so this happened in Germany when I was working for there for the summer. Um, I went to a park on a sunny day, and I went to sit on a little hillock that was overlooking the green, you know. And I just, out of the corner of my eye, I just happened to catch sight of somebody whose head had swizzled towards me. And um, I just kind of, I just felt something, you know, I just felt that, that I'd been caught in the lens um, of a camera almost or something, you know. And um, so I was, you know, you know, seconds are passing and you just kind of don't know what to do. But um, my maths is atrocious, but I was able to kind of rapidly calculate the point, which would be furthest from him. He was coming up towards me at the time and I was able to kind of say to myself, OK, if I can, if, if he comes to that point, then I can run at that point because that's furthest away. So um, when he reached that point, I just ran and I didn't stop until I was, you know, kind of back amongst other people. Um, and the third is is definitely the, the worst story of all. Um, it's kind of deeply terrifying, actually. And it didn't happen to me, but it did happen in my house. Um, it was about 2016 and we had an au pair from Germany who went out for the night and she decided to walk home on her own at about 5 a.m., um, so at the top of our road, we live in a cul-de-sac and she realized she was being followed. And um, when she got to the top of the road, um, she turned around and confronted him and he denied following her. So, you know, she went home, bolted the front door, went up to bed and was sending her friend a text, um, you know, talking about this near miss that she'd had when she heard a noise downstairs. And um, she just kind of brushed it off. She thought it was maybe one of the children going down for a drink or something like that. But um, moments later, my husband heard somebody coming up the stairs and uh, so he, you know, ran down, the guy bolted and, you know, he just, we just let him go because it was just too frightening. And so the cops came and they never got him. You know, they, he did leave DNA on a bottle outside the door, but 
he, he just he, I think the data the data bank was kind of new at the time, and that's why they didn't get they didn't get a match. But this this is my point. You know, I'm just an individual. Nothing. If you ask me, did anything terrible ever happen? I would say no, it didn't. You know, I'm very lucky it didn't. But and yet these are three, you know, kind of separate instances that, you know, maybe it was a near miss. You know, if you ask any woman in your life, she will have a story to tell. And that's the sad fact. What can be done on on the male side in terms of like we, we talk about things like toxic masculinity but how do you bring about a cultural change that makes men more aware of these issues see i think only men can have that conversation amongst themselves i don't think a woman can come along and say oh you need to do this because you know this is a problem in in your house (laughs) this is not something that a woman can fix these problems are framed in in kind of language that is kind of very irritating to a lot of people you know you hear of toxic masculinity i mean if i was a man that would probably annoy me we hear of woke culture you know that's the kind of a thing that older people seem to have a a problem with you know using this kind of language as if it's something new that young people have come up with and you know just to annoy them and you know that that they're not actual genuine grievances you know these are you know that labels are given to things and and i think these labels are just not helpful if you are affected by the issues we discussed, Women's Aid operate a 24-hour helpline on 1-800-341-900 or womensaid.ie. You can read more of Nicola Anderson's work on this topic on independent.ie. I'm Fiona Sheen, and this week's In Focus was produced by Mary Carroll, researched by Tabitha Monaghan with sound design by John Smith. Archive clips with thanks to independent.ie, BBC and RTE. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts.